KXNO. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. Score. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO for the next couple of hours. Trent Condon and Ken Miller here to talk sports with you. Appreciate you tuning in, at least for part of it, uh, up as we take you up until 1 o'clock. BMW Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. Tommy Birch, uh, first couple of areas of discussion with Tommy. Iowa State women's basketball had a big week last week. Back on track, we'll ask Tommy about uh, that. Uh, Baseball. Uh, He's seen some of the rules that have already been put in place with his uh, coverage of the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. Tommy will be here at about 11.25 and look forward to our conversations we always do with Birchie. Then Shelby Mast, he's a bracketologist for the Gannett newspaper chain. Uh, He joins us each and every Tuesday to talk about the brackets. Where's Iowa? Where's Iowa State? What kind of shape is Drake in? If they don't win the Valley, dot, dot, dot. Some of the... uh, Talking points for Shelby Mast will join us at 10 minutes before noon. Adam Emenecker, Doco Pizza, stopped by again yesterday. They've got me. I'm in. Ooh. Really good. Yeah. Can't get enough of it. Cheese pizza. Cheese pizza. Yep. Bring it home. Slice and a half. Freeze uh-huh. the rest. Keeps me going for the week. There you go. Take it out. Take it out on thought. Pop it in the oven. 490 degrees, eight minutes. It's like brand new, fresh <laughs> out of their ovens. Anyways, Doco Pizza sponsors and Emmenecker will join us at 1205. Uh, and then John Walters, the voice of Iowa State, will join us. Will he be finished with shoot around? Do you know? He will be <laughs> at the arena? At the arena, yeah. He gotcha. said he'll step away and hang out with us for a little while Good. as shoot around will be happening and get ready and his first look at the new arena down there in Austin. It looks good on TV. Yes, it does. Um, well, we'll, we'll uh, talk to John about uh, what appears to be a very difficult spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Big 12? What are we talking about? They're all <laughs> difficult spots. Uh, last night's game, uh, Kansas-TCU was entertaining. TCU throttled them there. Kansas went back to Fort Worth and won. Didn't beat them. Con- I mean, they didn't throttle them by any means, but best team in the Big 12? Yeah. I think so, too. I've maintained it even during the three-game losing streak. Yeah. I have not jumped off that. Where did they get up to as far as winning the conference? you remember the, the best odds you could have gotten would have been what? 3-1? Uh, it, it was north of 3-1. to one. I yeah. want to say like plus 320. I saw at one point. What did you get them at when you were still on the bandwagon? We I still are. Well, I jumped on back in, I think, before even conference play, and they were plus 220 at the time. And uh-huh. they were the third choice at that point. It was Baylor was in front of them before their 0-3 start, yeah. and Texas was in front of them. I said, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Then it went up a little higher. It was up to 280, so I grabbed another bite at that price. <laughs> and so I was pretty heavily invested, and I saw that 320. Eh, let's not do any more. Uh, I thought about hedging on Saturday before the game because, for me, I got quite a bit in there. I, I felt pretty confident with it, but, boy, if Baylor can win this game, eh, I, and it was 2-1 to one for Baylor at the point, and I decided not to. Mm-hmm. And now I'm feeling good, though, when it was a, what, 14-point game? 13, I think. Yeah, 13 and a half. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, well, maybe I made the bad choice on this one, but came roaring back, of course, in the oh second my half. Gosh, Last say. night, not exactly aesthetically pleasing. No, it was. It, I agree with you. It wasn't uh, the best game to watch. It was a low-scoring basketball game for uh, when Kansas is concerned uh, in TCU, but uh, they got it done, and... Uh, McCullough was really terrific. That was mm-hmm. my biggest takeaway from last. And Grady Dick, uh, the freshman, is you know when when he's on, he's a good player. And Harris stirs the drink with that team. And 
Eight assists. Did he have a turnover? Uh, one for Grady Dick. Did, did he? Yeah. One turnover? Okay. One turnover. Uh, and Harris had no turnovers. Eight assists, zero turnovers. So that's a big night out of him, too. He was a good playmaker for him he last was. night. You know, and it shows again this Kansas team. Yeah, we know they can score. I mean, Bill Self, the way that they run secondary break, and they're just year after year mm-hmm. so good. After, I mean, replacing what, six year top eight from a year ago? And year after year they do it. And you just turn it again, turn the key, and here they are on the top of the standings and the prohibitive favorite now to win the conference. So let's crowd. go a step further. Mm-hmm. Can they repeat? Absolutely. I think they can too. I, I mean, look around college basketball. And there's no great team. No. And because of that, now this could be. What's a more likely scenario? That we see a Final Four that has all one through three seeds, or we see multiple teams four oh, seed or lower? Oh, yeah. I th- four seed or lo- multiple or one? Multiple. You went multiple yeah. out of the four. Um, Either the former. If, if I only have to have... You think so? I, I don't. If you're giving me 12 seeds, you're giving me all mm-hmm. the ones, all twos, all the threes... I would stay with that, but look, I wouldn't. I won't fall off my chair if there's two, four, or higher mm-hmm. or lower. <laughs> I never, <laughs> Pretty good, right? Um, greater than four. <laughs> there you go. And I, won't, I won't fall off my chair, but it, I guess what I, another way of looking at it: if you have a hunch and your team's, you know, twenty to one or mm-hmm. 18, 20, 25, this might be one of those years because there is no heavy head. No. There's no team you look, oh, this is the best team in college basketball and it's not even close. Oh, it'll sure be an upset. Won't it be something if they don't finish the deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get, you know, there's nobody like that this year. You look at Shelby's bracket you look at the teams seated deeper. I mean, I see a year where we get like a one, a four, a six, and a ten. I I have a one, the, a four. The, boy, that'd be great. I mean, it just it has that kind of feel uh-huh. here. You know, Kentucky's going to be... 10, 11? Uh, 10 in Shelby's bracket today, were they not? Okay. So Kentucky's there. Yeah. They can't make a Final Four with that talent? Well, they, did you see Shelby's bracket who lies in front of them if they do? Isn't that, I think I was the 7? Oh, <laughs> I've seen that a couple of different yeah. places, yeah. I, I was 7, Kentucky 10. I think I've seen them uh, in Denver a couple mm-hmm. of times. That's where they've been shipped to. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a realistic possibility. Yeah. You, you look at, and then you're trying to find teams. All right, coach. I believe in Izzo. Yeah. This team's not very good, but nope. in this year, could this be another one of his specials? And he's had plenty of those years. Where, no, not this year. No, wouldn't fall off and my chair. They do Trent. it. Bruce Pearl to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen that yeah. Auburn time a couple of times. Look, okay. Depends when you watch them. And they look brutal, but that's that's almost everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody in That's co- fair. Maryland was looking as good as anybody mm-hmm. in the Big Ten for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska beat them. And then they get beat by Nebraska. A game that shouldn't probably even gone to overtime. No. It's just on and on and on. We play this game, and that's why I would lean more towards of those two scenarios that it's not all top three seeds that we see carnage and we see multiple carnage and mm-hmm. we see brackets all mm-hmm. over the place and we get maybe a sweet sixteen with a couple double digit seeds facing each other. I, I think that's the craziness that's in front of us because, as we've said, do you trust Houston even in a round of thirty two games? You know, Trent, they're taking on an eight nine. I don't. I've not watched them enough. Yeah. That's the one. Good, air quote, good team in college basketball that I just, I, I don't know enough about. I see them, a lot of times it's like an ESPNU game against Wichita. Right. But there's t- usually something better on the on yeah. the real ESPN. And it's five minutes, you know, let's just watch them for a mm-hmm. while. And yes, they're good defensively. Mm-hmm. And Sasser's a playmaker. And they got dudes, but we talk about this with the Zags every single year, right? Yeah. When they're at their apex. And what if it's this? What if this is Gonzaga's year of all years when they're supposed to win? Right, and wouldn't, wouldn't that be? Wild? But 
can it happen? Yeah. The WCC is a lot better uh-huh. than it was even three, yep. four years ago. I mean, it's not just... It was boring Saint Mary's when Gonzaga would play. has had some good teams. Right. Pepperdine every right. once in a while. On and on and on. They'd give Gonzaga a scare and the Zags would pull a win, win by 20. Yes. BYU, since they've joined that conference, it's been... Yeah, they've been solid. San Francisco was good the last couple of years. But there wasn't the depth. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the bottom. And the depth of this conference is a lot deeper. Santa Clara, they can shoot it with anybody. Portland, they played really well at the beginning of the season. They're one of the worst teams in the WCC. Didn't they have an upset in their tournament? They did, yeah, out in uh, the Phil Knight. Uh-huh. And you just go on and on. There's a lot more depth there. And because you look, you can say, oh, they got a couple of losses this year. They lost to St. Mary's. They lost to also, what was the other loss that they had? Uh, oh, Loyola Marymount. And, okay, this can't, team can't be. Well, the WCC is better. And all of a sudden, maybe they're a little bit more battle-tested and mm. a wide open here. They mm-hmm. get there. That's what we're talking about. Could Illinois, could the light switch finally figure out Brad Underwood, the team that he hates, mm. they finally get it going? Do you have any Illinois to win it all? I don't. Yeah. I have them a Final Four. Yeah. I think I got them at like 11-1 to 1 during one of their downturns. But I'm more in that Final Four. You love the Nash- to win it all. I've got three teams in the Big Ten to win it all. And they're all 30 or better. Purdue, Indiana, and Illinois. To win it all. To win it all. That's not bad. I think I'm pretty good shape there. I've got Arizona, I've got UCLA, I've got Kansas, I've got Baylor. Um, I've got Alabama. You got Alabama, you got eight teams? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I believe I've got a small Virginia saver ticket. So I've got, do I have it surrounded? You're. Well, maybe not though. Well, I thought I had the I thought I had the Lombardi Trophy surrounded. Right. And here come the Eagles. Right now, they didn't get there thankfully. But and you got a couple of Saber tickets on the on Chiefs, the Chiefs right. but it wasn't the same level. No, no, Bengals win, mm-hmm. Niners win, right? Bills win. Oh boy! And then you localize it a little bit. Drake. Not only can Drake get to a Sweet Sixteen, wouldn't that be something this I mean, year? Look at the way they're that team old. is playing. They're the fifth yes. oldest team in college basketball, and that rules the roost than the way the game is played now. You got a great point. Old teams. You got the MVP of the MVC. It's going to happen, isn't it? It better happen. I think it is, Trent. I think it is. It better happen because there's no doubt. Roman Roman Penn, we're talking about. Tucker DeVries, you got a score. You got a guy Mm -hmm. that can go out and win a game. You got Mm -hmm. inside, you got power. Mm -hmm. There's size that. You got between the ears and sturts. (laughs) Yes, you do. And he's going to get, you know, a goofy one late in the game and a three point play. They have, yes, they can get to a sweet 16. This Iowa team, they got to figure it out on the road. Well, they won't have to play a true road game. They have not been as good away from Carver, but still. Boy, they better win tomorrow night. Yes. This is one that. They have to win this game tomorrow. And this is a really winnable game tomorrow night. It was. You let one slip away against Wisconsin when you had them in December. And now it's time to get the payback that you need. Kind of right the ship. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just one loss, but still, those murmurs are out there because as easily as this team can go three and one. They go one and three down the stretch. Wouldn't, wouldn't be good. And then the free and fade conversation continues, <laughs> and we go back on that, and that and that goes on. But this Iowa team, not great, but in this year's college basketball with the right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Iowa State, we know, not only can get to a Sweet 16, they can go deeper than that. Iowa State can get to a Final Four. They absolutely, as battle-tested as they are, mm-hmm. finally get away from the Big 12, mm-hmm. not having to see those teams mm-hmm. and the grind game in and game out. They absolutely How's Caleb Grill? Well, he's got to be healthy. He has to be, right? Yeah. In your scenario, he has to be productive, healthy, um, and a good teammate. That's where we are. This March mm-hmm. has a chance to be pretty special. It in does. State. I'm with you. I'm with you. What about Maryland? Maryland gets going like they were playing. They mm-hmm. looked like they could be the best team in the Big Ten. Absolutely. For it, a couple of weeks. Yeah, a team like Arkansas. They're on the 10th seed for Shelby's ba- uh, brass, mass bracket here today. We still don't know about Nick Smith. 
who mm-hmm. many people believe could be mm-hmm. the number two pick mm-hmm. in next year's NBA draft or this year's NBA draft, and he hasn't played. All of a sudden, he plays. You got a one and doneer that talented. Uh-oh. How different that can be. And you insert him into your lineup in late February, early March. You kind of at the beginning of the year looked as good as anybody oh, I got in them college too. basketball. I got them I mean, too. Just on and on and on. That's what this year is, uh-huh. and I love it. I, in a one and done scenario, this thing is as open as it's going to be. And watch, we'll get. Three ones in a two. Yeah, it'll be Purdue and Kansas. <laughs> right. They beat Alabama and Arizona to get there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be fun. Going to be fun, no doubt about it. Let's talk about Texas and Iowa State here tonight. Mm-hmm. This game at uh, at Hilton was a um, it was a battle. <laughs> it was a battle. There was uh, there was a very physical basketball game. I'm anxious to see. Do the referees try and you know insert? Not no, no, that's not the right word. Insert themselves. That's a, that's um, let the teams know that it's not going to get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Could you see that happening tonight? Lay down the law a little bit. Maybe calling some uh, some touch fouls early in the basketball game, not to let it get to a point because it was it was past simmering at Hilton. There's no love lost here. No, I mean, there's with, not. With, with, Absolutely not. As we saw with Tyrese Hunter mm-hmm. and the jawing that happens there, you couple that with Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalsher, teammates that didn't like each other up in Minnesota. Apparently not. Yeah. Now, the first game there was 52 free throw shot. Put the over-under at 45. It's going to depend on the yeah. refs. And it, yeah. You know that it was fifty two free throw shots. <laughs> Iowa State must have shot. Well, I don't know. They shot thirty. Did and how many did they make? Fifteen. Twenty three of thirty. They did. Yeah, seventy seven. Holy mackerel! Was that the best? Was that their last? No, they had an eighteen for twenty a couple of they days did, ago. Yeah, a couple of games ago rather. Texas was nineteen to twenty two. Well, they the were good line. too. Now we anticipate the inverse will happen. Mm-hmm. If one team shoots 30 mm-hmm. and one shoots 22. And everybody on both teams, I believe, played in that game. I don't think anybody was missing. Right. Trey King was out there. Uh-huh. A full compliment for Texas. So we're going to see it again. They're going to roll it out there. No, let me get this in front of me. <laughs> Looking at the box score in that one. All right. Let's, deeper here. Tyrese Hunter, he was 1 of 5 inside the paint, uh, 2 of 3 from downtown. Yeah. Uh, How many probably finished with 10 points? He had 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he'll shoot it better. He'll shoot it better. Bishop off the bench think. led the team with only 12. Mm-hmm. Marcus Carr didn't have one of those games where he goes off. Timmy and Allen. Carr averages, what, just under 20, I want to say? Yeah. Timmy Allen, he can go off. Mm-hmm. Rice nine. is a good player off the bench. He usually yes. he gets his numbers. He had six. Wow. Texas scored 78, and they didn't play that well. Yeah. That's No, Iowa State scored 78. Or 78, yeah, 67, but they didn't play that well. Texas didn't play at their apex, not even close mm-hmm. to it. No, give Iowa State credit. They yeah. guarded him, it was physical, and the refs let him, you know, for the most part, get away with stuff. Holmes, he went off. Uh-huh. Well, the last time out, he did not. So, and nobody fouled out for Iowa State, right? Oshun finished with four. That yep. was it. Uh, Caleb Grilling got two, Kalsher three. They let him play. Timmy Allen did foul out. Marcus Carr had four. Okay. It's, close. it's stacking up. This is going to be different. Now, the point spread tells you that much. Texas favored by seven. It's a big number. Big number. Big number. It's a big number. Yep. Is this Vegas tantalizing us a little bit? Well, I kind of take Iowa State in the points. It's too many points here. Yeah. And we're looking at a... What would you do if you had to do it right now? I think I'd lay it. I think I would, too. I think I'd this lay is it. A, I think Texas has been... This one... I don't know if it was circled when the schedule came out. It was certainly circled when they landed in Austin. Right. After exactly. they just experienced Hilton. Let's take a look at the betting percentages. Let's see if the betting public agrees... Pretty split. Is it? 58% of the tickets, 53% of the money. So at this point, 
pretty split in the betting market out there. Haven't seen much movement. Open to seven, pretty much sevens across the board. There's a seven and a half at South Point, and that's it. Hmm. 137 is the total at Circa right now. And that was about what it was last time, right? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, look, it's the Big 12. It's um, it, it's going to come down, I think, with these two teams. How's the game called? Right. How's the game called? Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll, I believe they'll set a tone early. The officials will. They'll let, they'll let it be known that uh, this is not going to get underhand, out of hand rather on my watch. <laughs> I could see it happening. I really could. This is a good night of college basketball tonight. It is, yeah. We're we're in really good shape this evening. I course. mean, Illinois, Michigan State uh, moves my needle a little bit, and that's is that at the same time? Speaking of the same time, mm-hmm. so Saturday, looking looking forward to Saturday, okay. right? Because um, we have tickets to give away to Michigan State, Iowa. Oh, Doc great. Fuller, this is our last pair of tickets that uh, Doc Fuller's got for us, so we'll do it on tomorrow's game, um, tomorrow's Wisconsin Iowa game. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State and Iowa play at eleven o'clock on Saturday morning. Yep, get things started. Absolutely, ESPN. Absolutely. So guess when Iowa State and Oklahoma play? I'm going to guess 11. 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, ESPN you. I can believe it. <laughs> you got the whole day to get them yeah, in. Yeah, got the whole day. In fact, you could move one of them to Sunday if you want. <laughs> nope. Not this time. Not this time. And so ESPNU is where Iowa State will, uh, that's where they land? 208. Darn it. Back and forth we go. 206 yep. and 208. I guess if you want to look at it silver lining wise, you know that time slot you work them both, and, mm-hmm. and then you can go wherever you want to go right. for the remainder of the day. But um, yeah, tonight's schedule is really good, Trent. It's um, it I think shapes up to be a terrific night of college basketball. Look, uh, will I be shocked if Iowa State wins the game? Kind of, but um, it's the Big Twelve. We keep saying it. Yeah, anything can happen. Anything. I wouldn't be shocked. No, I wouldn't be sh- I'd be surprised. I'll be surprised, especially with what l- happened when the game was at Hilton. Mm-hmm. I think that that kind of puts it over the top for me. Um, I don't know. We'll see. All right, Tommy Birch coming up. Look forward to catching up with Birchie. Iowa State women's basketball conversation. They had a necessary a good week last week. Got a couple of them. Put them in the win column. I think the conference is out of reach. Uh, but um, still, good to see them maybe get off the uh, the path that they their season seemed to be headed down and back on their, their winning way. So we'll talk to Birchie about that. Talk to Birchie about rule changes. Look forward to that conversation. Then Shelby masked on the bracket. Did you, do you see, rather, who Shelby's... Not the last, the first four out, the next four out, but who I guess would be the fifth team out of Shelby's bracket is? No. It's those Texas Tech Red Raiders and their arrows pointing up. I don't know why we seemingly are rooting for them. I think I'm rooting for the story. <laughs> yeah. Just because I like old guys succeeding when they finally get a chance. Uh-huh. And Mark Adams did that. Um, and they're playing well. They have to go at minimum three and one, though, still. They've what won, have they got? They've won three in a row. So they go to Oklahoma tonight. Mm-hmm. Got to win that one. Have to win it. Home for TCU. Home Have to win it. I know it's a winnable. At Kansas. Okay, there's their loss. And then home for Oklahoma State. Well, there's a chance. There's a chance, right? There's a chance to get in there. This team was, like Iowa State, that, that win over Iowa State, the comeback win over Iowa State mm-hmm. may have turned their season around. I don't think it's nuts. They... Are fifteen and twelve. That would put them eighteen and thirteen. Say they go one and one in the big Big Twelve mm-hmm. tournament. They're there. Yeah, the schedule that they played they with the underlying numbers that they have, uh-huh. they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. They're probably heading up to Dayton. 
You want to see that team? You're a no, sixth seed? No, 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 no. You want to see Texas Tech no. win that game in Dayton and then make their way wherever you are waiting for them? What's their non-con like? They they lost to Creighton. Jeez, look, they beat Louisville 70 to 38. <laughs> lost to the to the Buckeyes. Beat Georgetown, everybody beats Georgetown. Yeah. And then they had that unbelievable losing streak, and they got a win in the SEC Challenge, followed it up with a win over Iowa State, comeback win, lost a couple more, but then got hot, then have stayed hot, so we'll see. Anyways, Birchie next. Miller and Condon, we're underway on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you until one. Shelby Mass coming up here in 20 minutes. Uh, bracketwag.com. Bracketwag.com for Shelby. He uh, does the brackets for, amongst other uh, publications, uh, Gannett, their newspaper chain, etc. And he joins us every Tuesday right up until the uh, selection Sunday. Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. He joins us, covers, well, baseball, minor league baseball with the Iowa Cubs. And, of course, uh, women's basketball up at uh, Hilton. Uh, Iowa State needed to get a couple of wins this past weekend to get back on track after losing three in a row, and they did just that, and Birchie joins us. Hello, Tommy Birch. How are you? I'm doing good. Good to hear from you guys. Good to hear from you. Every time we do it, we say, why don't we do it more? Right, Trent? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, Tommy, let's do uh, Let's uh, do the uh, women first. Iowa State uh, needed that last week uh, after... Seemingly, the uh, a conference championship got away from them. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there's there's still a chance, uh, but certainly a couple of needed wins last week that they got. Yeah, I think the conference championship still isn't completely out of the realm of a possibility for Iowa State mathematically. There's still a possibility, but so many things would have to happen with Texas and Oklahoma, and then Iowa State themselves. You know, they have a not the easiest schedule. They have four games left and. Two of those games are going to be tough road games, including Wednesday night at Oklahoma State. But, you know, I, I think more importantly, the once you kind of take out the Big 12 title out of the equation, the next big thing is kind of what you had said, getting one of those top four seeds so you can host the NCAA tournament, which goes out to the, any of the top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. Home court advantage is monumental when it comes to women's basketball and especially yeah. – Iowa State, which has played its best basketball at home Coliseum this season. So when you get home court advantage, the red carpet is kind of rolled out to you to get to the Sweet 16. So um, Iowa State right now, Charlie Green of ESPN, has them as a five seed. Mm-hmm. But um, that's I'm, I'm guessing in my conversations with Charlie, that's kind of going back and forth between four and five, where they end up winning Wednesday night. That might get them over the hump. So... Um, by going 2-0 last week, that put them back in the picture where if they would have gone 0-2 or maybe even just 1-1, hosting may have been completely out of the picture for Iowa State. Here we are six weeks later after the injury to Stephanie Soares, and the team has had to adjust, built kind of completely different. We know Ashley Jones is an absolute stud out there doing the things of the All-American and what she can do. What adjustments, though, have you seen out of this team and what they've had to do to kind of change their complexion and, and just the way they're built? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of more about just resorting to what they did last season. You know, it's yeah. pretty much the the same team, same roster, same 
same thing they had to do. You know, everybody is back from a team that won 28 games last season. Pretty much everybody was back from a team that won 28 games last season, went to the Sweet 16 and competed for a Big 12 title. I think it was just kind of readjusting to those roles. And I think, like, the the biggest difference for this team and last year's team early on, obviously, was the addition of Stephanie Suarez. But I think what losing Suarez really hurt Iowa State was in its depth, you know, Beatrice Stordawa, a center for Iowa State, had to retire because of injuries, and that really shortened Iowa State's bench and really forced some of those big-name stars like Emily Ryan, Mike Dernarski, Ashley Jones to have to play a lot. And we're talking like 37, 38, sometimes 40 minutes a game, or mm. you're talking about at Baylor when you're going to double overtime, even more. So um, I think just having all those minutes just kind of add up kind of took a toll on this team and really impacted their three-point shooting, impacted their defense, impacted just turning it over some some odd times. And uh, for one reason or another, now his team seems to have gotten a second win. We'll know for sure come Wednesday night, but they, they definitely seem pretty rejuvenated for a team that has played a lot of minutes already this season. Tommy, let's switch to baseball and the uh, rule changes coming to uh, to Major League Baseball. Uh, anxious to pick your brain on this. You've seen uh, some of them uh, down at the at the AAA level. Um, the one that that I'm most in favor of is the the restrictions on the defensive shifts. Now, I think that's going to lead to more scoring, which may lead to longer baseball games. So what is the purpose behind it? Is the purpose to try and, you know, to bring the games under three hours, try to speed up the pace of play? What is what is the, the reasoning uh, that Major League Baseball says, this is what we're going to do, we need to change, we need to keep up with the, you know, people's shorter attention span? Is, is that solely what's behind this? Yeah, it kind of depends what the role is when it comes to Base it, you know, the larger bases and banning the shift. It's about creating more offense, creating more movement, um, just creating more plays during the game. When it comes to the pitch clock, it's about getting the pace of play moving at a, at a bit quicker pace. You know, the time between hitter and pitches and mm-hmm. stepping out of the box, stepping off of the mound, throwing over five times, just kind of getting insane. And I think as a society, we are just a quick-moving, you know, uh, audience that just wants to be constantly fed entertainment. And I think baseball realized, like, okay, maybe it's not like we need to get it under three hours. It's just we need to get some rhythm to the game going forward. And I think the pitch box will do a great job with that. Obviously, it, it worked wonders in minor league baseball where, you know, there would be so many times I'd be covering an Iowa Cubs game a Cubs game would be starting at the same time. I would finish an Iowa Cubs game and be home on my couch watching the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth inning of the Chicago Cubs game. And going from game to game was just wildly um, different. I mean, there's just no pace to the big league game where you know there was more rhythm to the minor league game. And I really... Oh, I'll be honest. When I really noticed it was in Dyersville when I went up for the, mm. the minor league baseball game at, at the Field of Dreams movie site where they did not have uh, the pitch clock, you know, and all that stuff set up to be able to do it on the on the field there. So it'll it'll work as long as it is enforced. The minor league baseball, you didn't see it work at first because 
it was not always enforced. Umpires were waving it off uh, pretty often, but last year it was it was a rule of emphasis, and I think it will be enforced at the big league bubble because it's going to be too many people watching and, and too many people being held accountable for it not to be. Take us back to when it was implemented here. I'm sure you talked to many of the pitchers. I'm sure they complained about it. And we're going to see Max Scherzer. <laughs> he's going to complain about it. And Shohei Otani will probably complain about it. And many of the other more deliberate pitchers out there, they didn't have much power in the minor leagues. There is much more power for major league pitchers. I mean, could we see a scenario where an adjustment is made in season? Or is this going to be sink or swim? Figure it out. And Mitch, Matt, you know, Scherzer, you've been able to go out there year after year. And you control the mountain. That's not going to be the case anymore. How do you expect this to play out with these major leaguers? And they got a lot bigger microphone than a minor leaguer did. I mean, I think they'll adjust. Uh, they'll have to because they have no other choice. But, you know, obviously, even at the minor league level, there was a feeling out period. I remember the first month that they implemented it, there was a grace period. And then the very first night that they uh that they started enforcing the rules. Iowa Cubs were down a run in the bottom of the ninth, and they they sent a pinch hitter to the plate to to lead off the inning. And whoever the pinch hitter was, and I kind of remember who it was, but I'm not sure I want to throw him under the <laughs> bus here. He ended up going to the bathroom. He was using the bathroom in the dugout. Yeah. Did not get done quick enough. <laughs> didn't get to the plate fast enough and walked up to the plate behind in the count 0-1. So, um <laughs> inevitably there are going to be some of those moments, but I think that's probably going to be the best thing about spring training is having those opportunities right. to uh, to get it fixed up. And I think for the most part, you know, you talk to a lot of baseball players, a lot of the minor league guys I talked to like ended up loving it because not only are they getting out of the park faster, but they totally understand like what where the game is at, the direction and what fans want to see and this is something that they want to see. They want to see more action, they want to see more rhythm, and they want to see quicker games and this will help get it done. So who's gonna police it, Tommy? Which umpire's gonna be tasked with making sure that uh all the infielders I mean they, there's two of them to the left of second base, two of them to the right of second base. Uh, that their feet is in the dirt and it's not on the grass. Who's going to be in charge of that? And then who's because? And here's another one: the pitcher gets to. I think they're using the word disengage. So if he steps twice per each batter, so if he steps off, that's one. If he throws over, he can't throw over again. So you're going to see guys getting leads like they used to take off John Lester. Uh, if you get to so, that right, yeah. So how it actually works out is you can disengage a third time. Yeah, but you. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. have to throw over and you have to pick off the runner. If you just step off the mound, it's considered a box. If you throw over that third time, you do not pick off the runner. Um, it becomes a box too. Wow. But yeah, absolutely. And you know, that was kind of one of those things that actually kind of fascinated me that I was most surprised to see at the minor league level. And maybe I'll play out the big league level like this too, where there were so many times where I saw guys throw over twice. And I don't know if guys, didn't know the rule. I think that's fully possible. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, let's be honest, and <clears throat> you know, in, in in minor league baseball, I remember that first year of some of these new rule changes yeah. coming in. Guys just had absolutely no idea what was taking mm-hmm. place. So I didn't see a lot of guys get gigantic leads, but also I think part of the reason, too, is the value of a stolen base and the risk that it presents now is just not something that teams want to take. So I think I don't know if you're you're going to see the increase in action on the base path like Major League Baseball hopes with the increase in bags. I think, if anything, the, the limiting of throwing over isn't going to increase action. I think it's going to help pace the play. But I would love to see it increase action. But I think the days of, um, you know, 30 stolen base guys uh, bouncing around the league are, are long gone. Wow, I remember Ricky Henderson and Tim Raines battling yeah. the 90s. and Oh, I mean, not in the 1990s, in the 90s, stolen base. Just crazy. Well, it's just fun. Anyways. The adaptation of baseball and the evolution continues here, and it's going to be – I'm really interested for the season and the way this yeah. is going to play out and just how different it's going to look. You know, straight pull hitters, I, I think of Birchie, a guy that I'm sure you see, Max Kepler, from time to time. He's become almost unplayable at times because he just pulls it. Well, only two guys on that side of the infield. It's going to be different. How about defensive positioning? Could we see some implementation of, for all intents and purposes, some two-man outfields and and bringing those in against certain players? I bet so, yes. I bet you're right. You could, but I think overall you aren't going to see uh, any adaptation to approach when it comes to hitters. Right now, what's being taught in in college baseball to get you to to get drafted and what's being taught in the minor leagues to get you to the big league level and what's being taught at the big league level to keep you at the big league level is uh, exit velocity, hitting the ball as hard as possible, and usually that means pulling the ball because it's going to mm-hmm. usually produce some big-time results. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to change any um, – I guess, approaches when it comes to hitting. It obviously didn't when people were already shifting massively, but it is going to help the hitters, um, I think, a bit, but probably not as much as we're hoping. So, um, you know, that's just the way the game is being taught. And until you have an organization that's willing to change its philosophy and change its way of thinking of going the other way, kind of like what I compare to is like Iowa State football and Matt Campbell came to Iowa State, it was, we aren't going to try to outscore everybody in the Big 12. We're going to play ball control football. We're going to play really good defense. We're not going to try to show up to a gunfight with a knife and outscore everybody. That's how everybody is thinking in baseball right now. Even if you don't have the firepower, they're thinking we're going to try to outscore everybody else. And until you have a GM that's willing to teach that and and mold it and an owner that's going to accept uh, that type of risk-taking. This is the way the game's going to be played for a long, long time, possibly forever. So Anthony Rizzo's at the plate. The the left fielder, does he become a rover out in right? Is that what you think of Trent? I think you're, like I think you're yeah. onto something. Yeah. Center fielder shifts Absolutely. over a little bit to left, right, Tommy? Yep. Right fielder stays in place, and that rover's still going to be – I could see that. And one other thing to think, though, you know, you see those shifts in that third baseman or, or playing way back almost in short left field. Well, they still have to have their feet in, feet the, infield. in the infield. If you, could, if you could dunk one down the left field line, yeah. that's going to be an inside-the-park home run. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Hey, to- Tommy, last thing for you. Um, Pete Crow Armstrong, is he going to be here, do you think, to start the summer? 
I don't think she's going to be here to start the summer. Okay. She's still really young, still really experienced, still a guy that missed uh, a lot of time with an injury. And let's be honest, looking around Chicago's outfield, there's not a big rush yeah, fair point. to get him here. I think if he raced, and I think really no matter what, he's going to start double it. But I'm going to come out with a list of prospects you could see in Iowa this season. I think uh, P. Crow Armstrong, if all goes according to planning, he certainly does what he did last season. At some point this year, he's going to be playing in Des Moines. When's, when is that going to be in the register? Have you started work on that yet? Uh, I've got all written in my head right now. Okay. So I have absolutely no idea when it's going to be in person. Well, I'm looking forward that. to it, I guess, is what I was asking you. Um, <laughs> I'm glad somebody is. No, absolutely. Yeah. You're a good baseball man, Tommy Birch. We love talking baseball with you. Uh, thanks for doing this, Tommy. Appreciate it. Um, and we'll we'll talk soon, okay? Thanks for having me, guys. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register. As we catch up with our buddy on the Iowa State women's basketball beat, and soon, end of March. You know what Sam told us? 31st yes. of March is what he says. Opening day at the ballpark. That's nuts. Let's hope for good weather. Hope for good weather indeed. All right. Shelby Mast is going to join Trent and I next. We're going to get into the bracket as we do each and every Tuesday at this time with BracketWag.com's Shelby Mast. He will join us. Adam Emmenecker kicks off Hour 2. John Walters will be at Shootaround in Austin. We'll catch up with John and then Trent's plays of the day before we get out of here right before 1. It's Miller in Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.800 bets off. Miller and Condon, welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. This time every Tuesday from now through Selection Sunday, the week of Selection Sunday, our friend Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, joins us to help Trent and I out in the world of bracketology. BracketWag.com, Shelby updates his bracket each and every night, about oh, 10.30, 11 o'clock for the most part, and he's with us. Shelby, Trent, and Ken, thank you again for uh, doing this uh, for us. Uh, how you been, Shelby Mass? How was your week? It was pretty good. Lots of basketball and decent weather. Yeah, you, know, you can't beat that. Yeah, lots of basketball, no doubt about it. So that's uh, let's start with a couple of teams that um, maybe needed the week, maybe they didn't. Purdue was sliding a little bit, had a couple of losses. Of course, we saw the court rush at Northwestern, who, oh, by the way, looks like a really nice team, mm-hmm. and their arrow is clearly pointing up. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, but Purdue had a win. Um, are they close to leaving your one, uh, your one line, or what would have to happen for Purdue to maybe find themselves as a two? I, I know that right now you've got them as your third highest one seed, so they got a little wiggle room before they fall to the two. Yeah, I have them as my fourth number one till the committee revealed they have them higher than Kansas. That kind of boggles my mind because Kansas has more quad one wins than anybody, but. You know, that the committee spoke, and so I, I've got them as uh, fourth right now because Kansas won at TCU last night and over Baylor Saturday. Purdue is in danger of falling to the two line, but I don't see him falling much further unless the bottom just drops out. So I got a question for you here. We see Houston sitting there solidly a number one seed. We know obviously their conference a lot different. Let's say Alabama runs the table. They, they win out regular season, win the SEC championship. Same for Purdue. Same for Kansas, and same for Arizona. If that scenario plays out, and I know mm. it's not very likely, would Houston fall to a two in that scenario, even if they themselves also win out? Uh, they could, 
But since nothing bad happened to them, probably not. Yeah. The committee spoke loudly Saturday. They put them as the number two overall behind Bama. And so I think a lot would have to happen for Houston to fall, maybe two losses, three definitely. But I think uh, if they win out, they'll be there. So, Shelby, I love college basketball. It is by far my favorite sport. I can't get into this. Top 16, who cares? If you're going to do this and you're going to go through all the iterations to get 16 teams, why not give us a big bracket? Because what's more compelling, at least to me, is the bubble teams, what they're mm-hmm. looking for. What At that point, that would tell us a whole lot more. In the grand scheme of things, this tells us nothing. That would tell us a whole lot more In when you're doing this. It's a TV show. You're trying to build interest in your sport. Why don't you give us a full 68-team bracket? That would build a hell of a lot more interest in this thing. Well, it probably would, but I think they're doing this as like a, just a teaser of what's to yeah. come. You know, we there was some things to be learned. With Kansas as a fourth number one, that leads me to believe, or it did, that they didn't really respect the Big 12, but then they had five teams in the top 12 seats, so they do. And I think with Indiana being up there on the four line, they respect the Big uh, Big 10 quite a bit, too. Uh, interesting. So let me ask you about the Pac-12, because obviously the committee has a great deal of respect for at least two of the teams, right? On the two line in uh, Arizona uh, and, and UCLA. Overall, that conference is kind of hmm, after that. But um, those are two teams that, you know, I think Arizona and UCLA, either one of those two schools are good enough to win it all. Don't you think, Shelby? Or what is their weakness, if any, of those two? Uh, if they if they have a glaring weakness, I sure haven't seen it. I have uh, had been fortunate enough to watch both those teams quite a lot this year, and they're good in different ways. UCLA has got the veteran leadership, uh, and they, those guys don't get rattled. And Arizona just has talent come out their ears. So I think they're, they're both equally good. Both can win the title. I I don't see either one of them being an upset victim uh, in the first weekend. Want to uh, come here locally to Drake. We've asked in the past what the likelihood if they win out till the championship game and fall there, getting in, and it's going to be incredibly difficult, as you've told us in the path. What is their highest upside seed-wise, though? If they win out, win their last two games of the regular season, win three in St. Louis, can Drake, can they get as high as 11 or is maybe 12 the ceiling that they have right now? I, I, I would like to hope they could get to 11, but I have a feeling that they that 12 is their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the committee is very headstrong. They don't generally give the one-bid league a single-digit or a higher seed unless they've just had a phenomenal year, and Drake has. But I think Florida Atlantic has had a better year. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's uh, a team we brought up, a school we brought up last week was we were spitballing a little on Texas Tech. What's it going to take? We both thought that they were, you know, that they were better than their record indicated, and they got off to such a uh, terrible, terrible start. Um, but they seem like we turned it around. Now you have them, the fifth team out of the uh, out of the bracket. So they're moving into that next four out, but they're certainly closer than many would have assumed that they would ever get at any point uh, of this exercise in the month of February and March. Shelby, they're headed in the right direction. Still work to do, but right direction. Yeah, I, I had written them off pretty much about two, three weeks ago, but they have just turned it around, and they're, I don't want to say world beaters, but 
you win four in a row in the Big 12, that's doing something. Uh, So they have to be included in the conversation. Anybody who says they're not, they're not watching the same group that I'm watching. North Carolina played for a championship a year ago. (laughs) Preseason number one. They got work to do. A lot of work to do. Still no quad one victories for the Tar Heels. Four games remain. I know the ACC tournament also is a piece of this puzzle, but are we talking at minimum? They got to go three and one here just to give themselves a puncher's chance come the ACC tournament. I think they have to go four and zero. Oh. Wow! Really, I mean, you look at last year what they did. They were about in the same position until they won that game at Duke, and then that mm-hmm. moved in solidly in the field, and we saw what happened. Once once your team gets in, anything can happen. And because they made that run to the finals last year and didn't really lose anybody, that's why they were preseason number one. When how long, I just don't know how good they were. Uh, Shelby, um, Iowa State right now is on the three line. I'm one that doesn't like the way that the the direction of this team's going right now. They've got Texas tonight. They finish with Baylor at home. They've got two winnable games in Oklahoma uh, and West Virginia. If they split, win the two that they should at home, lose the two on the road, go to Kansas City uh, and and get knocked out early in that tournament because they're probably in the four or five game. Let's say it's K State. Is there a chance that they fall out of the? Uh, fall all the way to a five seed. I mean, what would it take for them to to fall to a five? I think they would probably need to go one and three and yeah. lose the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. I think the, the committee spoke and they are solid, solidly on the three line, uh, so it would take quite a lot for them to fall all the way out. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. He brackets, does the brackets for the Gannett newspaper chain, et cetera, et cetera. And he's with Trent and I every Tuesday at 1150. Shelby, we'll talk to you in a week. Thank you, as always. We appreciate it, Shelby Mass. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. If you want to check out his bracket, it's updated each and every day. It's noon hour. Adam Emenecker in five minutes. John Walters, bottom of the hour, Miller & Con, the Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 K.